0: welcome back (laughs) hello 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 welcome back everybody to another episode of spooky state of mind
1: spooky i'm jasmine and i'm alex and apparently we can't get this down (laughs) we're also your (laughs) (laughs) co-hosts
0: i'm sorry i say that every damn episode
1: well maybe if we get like a new listener or something
0: they don't know who we are we could change it up, you know, so everybody share, you know, share. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could have a different intro. I'm but doing something I probably should not be doing right now on the stream. Oh, somebody's coming in. Oh, is that your new dog? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, can I meet him? Yes, you can. Come here, boy. Come on.
1: Jasmine just, just got, got a new dog. Get in.
0: Oh, Lord. Hold on. He can't get in. Come here, boy hi he's so pretty this is
1: toby bagel (laughs) oh my goodness yeah so jasmine just got a new dog and he's beautiful he's a golden
0: retriever yeah i'm stressed everybody it's okay i'm like i don't know how people do this like like when when i see videos mostly like on tiktok because that's where i spend my time on and it's people like who adopt dogs or foster dogs and they make it look so easy. I know it's not easy, but they make it look like, oh, my God, I love dogs. And, you know, this and that. And I'm here like, damn, maybe I'm not fit for this or something because I do love, you know, I love my dogs. But it's kind of like those people who are like, I don't like kids, but I love my kids. That's kind of how I feel about dogs.
1: And yeah, but you also have to remember that on social media. It's it's a highlight reel. People are only putting true. the good stuff for the most
0: part. Very true. So we got him yesterday. He is a sweetheart. He's a pretty gentle dog and all, but I'm just stressed out because he he's attached himself to me out of the three of us in this household, which means he wants to be around me all the time and I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that level of codependency from a different being. <laughs> so, it's a little it's a, it's a little much for me and I'm trying to adjust. I also know this is this is like temporary. He has to get used to our home. It's going to be a few weeks before all that happens. So, I'm trying to keep an open mind yeah just sweetheart
1: for those of you who like don't know it it was a rehomed dog and he's a little on the on the older side he's six years old so Mm -hmm. you know his whole world got flipped upside down it's a huge adjustment more so for him than for anyone else unfortunately this is his third home oh no
0: Yeah. So I know that that's very stressful for dogs. So I told Jazz, like, we have to commit to this, especially because, like, we, I was telling Ale that I forgot that older dogs live um, less years than small dogs. So he's pretty much hopefully halfway through his life, but he might have less than that. So yeah, I want to make sure his we- final years with us are the best that he can have.
1: Yeah. We were talking golden retrievers or what, 10 to 10. 10- 10 to 12 year lifespan yep and he's already six so hopefully it's closer to the 12 yep yeah it's always hard with big dogs it's gary and i both love big dogs but we hate that they have shorter lifespans it's
0: just Mm. it's heartbreaking so now my first dog marcus is acting a fool like i keep telling him to do things he's not listening like okay I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> so forgot we, I forgot I, what we were saying.
0: Um. I put the cabinet in the way so he doesn't come in here because <laughs> I think I'm like overstimulated. So I just like need to be by myself. It sounds like you're overstimulated. Yeah. I. I bet. I, I probably. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's like you're talking
1: to a to a mom here. I am always always overstimulated.
0: Hmm. So. Anyways, uh, yeah, so that's what's new with me this week. We got a new dog. I've been talking about him all week. I've been so excited. I do think that this is a good fit for me. Although, the you know, he's like super all over me. But that's okay. I'll, I'll, it's something I'll have to get used to. Because Marcus is not like that with me. He's more like with Jazz. And he's not really the cuddle type of dog. But now that this dog is here, he has been the calmest that he has ever been. Like, he's been laying down and sitting next to us and we're like, who is this dog? Like, normally he wants to, like, bite our hands and play with us. And this time, like, he's laid down and I'm just like, where's Marcus and what have you done with him? (laughs) He's like, don't replace me, guys. Maybe. Like, I don't know if he, I think he sees, like, how we are with Toby and he's, like, trying to mimic him. So he's like trying to be calm and laying down because Toby's a pretty lazy dog. He just lays there. So I don't know if that's him like trying to mirror his behavior so that we can allow him to be outside all the time.
1: Well, like his world just got flipped upside down too. So Yeah. It's an adjustment yeah. for everyone. hmm hmm Anyways, how was your week? Good. Um, so I just got back from California. I know I was supposed to stay for three weeks, but I ended up staying two an earlier flight. So we're coming up on a week that we've been back. So it's been a pretty hectic week, um, especially for the two weeks that I was gone. Gare was out of town more than half that time at work so we it was a lot of work getting the house back to functional um especially because Quinn got really sick and Sam's eczema was really bad so we've had doctor's appointments and just a lot of stuff here and there and just doing a lot and then we just repainted the office and so now it's getting it decorated and stuff like that and so we can start doing video podcasts so I can have mm-hmm. a pretty background and just so we can have it nicer space but for the most part it's been okay um yeah it's been okay i've always been really open about like my mental health and how shit (laughs) it basically is but i think we know yeah we know (laughs) i think
0: every episode we talk about it
1: yeah alex is fucking crazy i think two days ago i finally felt normal and like i don't remember the last time i felt that way so it was it kind of felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel which is kind of really nice because it means that my meds are working Mm -hmm. uh because we just got and by we i just i mean me and my doctor we we're playing around with the dosage to see what works for me. And yeah, I think we're finally making some progress.
0: Nice. There was a way that we can mute ourselves. And I'm trying to remember. Just,
1: you click the microphone. On
0: the side? No. Yeah, you just click
1: the little microphone button. Okay, perfect. Because I'm
0: Oops. like, I'm, I'm eating everybody. That's what I was going to say earlier. That I'm doing something I shouldn't be. I'm eating because I was hungry. <laughs> so yeah, like this is how? our second time using this new software. so mm-hmm. we're still we're still learning. That's awesome though, that you're hopefully this though you guys got it right. Have the right recipe to help you out cause girl, we're not I, I feel I feel I know I tell you like don't say that you're crazy like you're not, but I get what you mean. like mm-hmm. I feel crazy right now with everything that with all these changes also. These last two weeks have been really hard on me with my mental health. Like, I don't, I don't ever say those words. Like, I never use the words mental health to describe, to when it it comes to, like, my feelings. Not that, you know, my mental health is great or anything. I just, I don't know. I don't. You've never had to deal
1: with, like, anxiety, depression, bipolar, things like that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But these last two weeks, man, my mental health was shit. It was like down the drain. I just was having such a hard time and I was quiet. I was to myself. I went days without really talking. Jazz even was like, what's wrong with you? I didn't want to talk to him and I didn't want nothing to do with him. We were having like our little issues, but that was just added on to how I was already feeling and I think it scared him he was like um something's not right with her like she hasn't talked to me all week and by this point it was already Thursday um oh wow yeah so the week before last I wasn't okay but I didn't want to talk about it so I was just kind of like talking to him here and there but then last week I just was not okay and I was hardly talking to him and so he was like something's not right and so we ended up talking and everything and I'm glad like Everything is alright now. But yeah, dude, my- It was just shitty. And now this, with this dog, I'm trying really hard to keep it together. It's hard because I do a lot around here. I mean, Jazz does what he can- But I know I do a lot. I kind of have this control thing. So I I do it to myself where I kind of want to be in control. Like, I wish I wasn't like that. Girl, you're preaching to the choir. I really wish I wasn't like that. But it's okay. We live and we learn. And it takes time. And you just
1: slowly but surely, you settle into a groove. And you find what works. And it's good to talk about these things and acknowledge that it's like, hey, like, this is how I am. I don't want to be like this. So how can we like how can we move forward from this?
0: So I I get it when you say like you feel crazy. That's how I, that's how I was feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways.
1: Yeah, so this I week I guess we can jump into the episode I think we've just you're you were in a rut and I'm slowly coming out of a rut. So we're still trying to find that that balance. Um, But I guess we can jump into the episode unless you have something else to say.
0: No, I don't think so. (laughs) We're always in a rut, dude. Maybe that's why people don't listen to us. They're like, (laughs) there they go again, talking about their mental health. There they go again, talking about they can't get shit done right. We know. (laughs)
1: there's alex talking about her kids again (laughs) i feel like that's all all i ever do just talk about like how crazy i am and talk
0: about my kids (laughs) i mean if you worked you would also talk about like if you worked somewhere you would also talk about your kids at work but yeah stay at home like that's your job you stay at home yeah so no don't feel bad (laughs) yeah um Anywho, so this week we wanted to kind of do a different theme. This is something we haven't really done before. Um, It was Alex's idea, so that's, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, so we're going to do a 70s themed
1: episode just because I was doodling on Procreate and I did like a hippie ghost and I was like, ooh, a little spooky, a little groovy. <laughs> <laughs> i like it so then i was like hey what do you feel about it like or how do you feel about
0: a 70s theme episode i was on board
1: yeah so we are doing 70s theme and it was completely open to interpretation so i'm excited to find out what jasmine did
0: oh god look don't let me interpret things because i always go one way and some people come up with these creative ass things and i'm like damn everybody's
1: so creative
0: yeah except me that though we're doing a 70s theme
1: Yes, Um, and I think it is Jasmine's turn to go first this week.
0: Why? I don't want to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my story takes place in 1974. So there's my 70s theme. (laughs) And I'm going to be talking about Doris Bither. Doris Bither is a woman that experienced some pretty heavily paranormal things um, She was a victim of that for a very long time. At the time that these paranormal encounters took place, Doris was a single mother of four. So she had a hard life, which I'm sure p- plays a factor into all of this. So some believe that this time of her life wasn't the only time that she had encountered these type of things. But before I move on to all that, I want to just give some background info on Doris. So Doris Bither was raised in an upper middle class family by her two alcoholic parents. Some say that she suffered abuse at their hands. It's believed that in her teen years, she started practicing seances, which caused a big fight with her parents. They were disgusted by her behavior and disowned her, which left her with no support from anyone. Nobody in the family, no one. None of her friends, or if she even had friends, they weren't around. She began drinking heavily after that, and it became a big part of her life. Doris married many times, and each marriage ended in divorce. However, out of four of those marriages, she had four children. So each one of her kids had a different dad, um, you know, so that... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Lord. She had these four kids and she continued to raise them all on her own and that's how she ended up being a single mom of four. Eventually, she ended up in Culver City, California which isn't too far from where I am. It was a small home, but she and her children. What the fuck was that? People are starting to blow up fireworks. It's May! Do you hear the dog? Oh my god! freaked out. I'm freaked out. So what they do is it's not fireworks. They, they're they homemade. Don't do it. Don't do not do it. They're loud and they're annoying. And it was cool when I was a kid growing up. But now as an adult, I'm like, bro. Like, Please stop. I want to go to bed. And, yeah. And some people's In cars are more sensitive than others. So then we got to hear cars going off over over. My sister's and over. alarm. My mom. For her
1: car always went off. Mine, I think, went off once. Like, not this last 4th of July, but the one before that, when we were still in California. But my sister's car, and it's like with newer cars, you can leave them unlocked, but then they auto-lock. Yeah. The alarm still goes off, so it's like we would just have to pop her hood a little bit so it would stay unlocked. And it just, it really sucks. And the poor dogs.
0: I know. And this new pup that we got is terrified of fireworks. And where we live, I mean, I don't think in this city they're even legal, but people don't give a shit. And people will start to blow them up in mid-May, throughout all of June, throughout all of July, and even after July. So it's going to be weeks of this. The worst part is that we live right next to the street. So you could hear it the loudest. All right, let me continue this. It was a small home, but she and her children, who were between the ages of 6 and 16, by the way, they tried to make the best of the situation. So slowly, some paranormal things started happening here and there. And pretty much all possibilities of Doris having a normal life went out the window. So one night, an older woman knocked at their door. It was late at night. Doris was like, who the heck is there? Um, She went as she answered the door. And on the other side was an older woman. When Doris answered the door, she noticed a weird look on the old lady's face. And she wondered why she was there and why she looked at her so strangely. So the woman frantically starts telling her that she used to live in that house years ago. Her parents had bought the house. And she said that as she got older, strange things would happen all the time. So it was like the usual light would flicker, objects would move, things like that. And she said that she was convinced something evil was in the house and told Doris to leave immediately. So Doris wanted to ask more questions. She was wondering why this lady was telling her that. And as fast as she looked away at her home, like she probably was just looking behind her or whatever, and turned back the woman was gone she had just disappeared like a ghost are we so, sure it wasn't a ghost who knows it's possible because doris never saw that woman again
1: and she just showed up out of the blue
0: mm-hmm. no 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 yeah so doris was like mm, i don't think i believe like who is this lady She just comes up to my house. She tells me these things and expects for me to believe her. So she thought the lady was crazy. Like she was like, maybe she escaped some kind of insane asylum. Like, I don't know. But she didn't believe her. So on, she continued to know about her life. But it wasn't long till things started happening to her. So soon after this encounter with this woman, Doris quickly started to believe her. The same thing were happening in her home. Lights, lights started flickering. Objects started moving, being thrown at her. And one day she was attacked by some invisible entity. So just like a or entities. So just to give a trigger warning, um, this is talking about sexual assault and stuff. Oh, I guess I should include that. It's gonna talk about like incubus and succubai, which or succubus. Or multiple, the plural, succubi. For those of you who don't know, they are demons that have sex with humans. Fe- incubus is male, succubi is female. Or succ- Sorry, I keep saying the plural and singular of one and the other. Incubus is a male, succubus is female, and they will sleep with, like, the opposite gender. And some say that even incubus will impregnate women. And then they'll have like a little demon child. So that's what's going on here type of thing.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to cover. And the term incubus and succubus are sort of umbrella terms because there are a lot of different types of demon and fae who can, who fall under that category. Yep. That'd be a good episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fae. Mm-hmm. The fae is too big. It's yeah, too but like you can talk about fairies. Yeah,
1: fairies are just one type of fae. Um, oh my God, I can't believe Gary. So the other so the other day we were watching videos on TikTok. This is just really quick. And it was talking about how like the veil was thinning. So it's, you definitely don't want to go into any fairy rings. You don't want to, you know, anger any fae or invite any fae into your home. And Gary was like, so how do you find the fae? And I was like, no, sir no sir we do not ask that and he's like yeah but what if i want to go into a fairy ring what if i want to call the fae and i'm like no sir no sir you do not want to do that no 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 no
0: they just might not let you leave like you get stuck in a trance when you fall into a fae trap and he's just like if that and he's like yeah
1: but what if and i was like no 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 no. he do not go there sir we do not go there. Anyway, so uh, back to your story, though. Yes. Trying to find my place.
0: Oh, yeah. So the attack. Um. So it was said that at some point when this attack happened, it was during the night. At some point during the night, Vither was asleep and was awakened only to be raped by what appeared to be three spirits. She would recall two of them holding her down while a third one would assault her. So that's kind of when she started um, to try to find answers and see what the heck was going on. So Bither was visiting this bookstore near the UCLA campus when she actually overheard a lecture taking place about paranormal activity. So the lecture had been, was the people that were giving the lecture were Barry Taff and Carrie Gaynor, Gaynor, and both of them were working for a, parapsychology lab at the UCLA campus so she only managed to hear the last part of the lecture and she approached them soon soon after about her violent encounter with these spirits so Taff and Gaynor agreed to set up a preliminary interview with her on August 22nd 1974 so uh, while being interviewed Bither had recalled hearing the spirits banging on walls lights flickering, and even moving around the house. Despite the home being occupied by four of her children, she says she would still notice things being moved around and disturbed in odd ways. So Bither had also said that she was experiencing um, some episodes of sleep paralysis. But at first, uh, Taff and Gaynor didn't really believe her. They just, I mean... When you work in that field, you hear many different things. A lot of things can be easily explained. And you don't even have to be in that field to do that. I think us, like, normal people, everyday people, whenever we notice something, we kind of always want to find an explanation to it. Like, oh, what was that? Oh, well, maybe the light bulb's, like, going out and you don't really think much of it. So they just kind of wrote it off. But they they quickly started to believe her when other people came forward and started talking about how they had weird feelings in the house and weird things were happening to them, which I'm sure included her kids. Uh, The oldest was 16. So I'm sure that he also noticed these things and experienced them. So they quickly changed their tune and decided that they wanted to continue to interview her and pursue this case to see what the heck was going on. So, some of the things that people said they heard uh, was phantom noises, like loud voices, banging on the walls. One of these witnesses claimed to see Bither being thrown around like a ragdoll. Poor Bither. (laughs) It's not funny, but the ragdoll part got me.
1: No, it's not funny, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's so scary to think about. Or, like, you're so nervous thinking about it that you just, like, laugh. Uh
0: Or it's like when you see
1: something so cute that you just want to be like,
0: oh, I just want to squeeze it. Yep. Like Somebody else said that Bither's son attempted to intervene with one of the spirits, which ended up attacking him to the point where his arm broke. Holy shit. Yeah. So these are some pretty uh violent things happening in the household. So Taff and Gaynor decided they were going to investigate the home and do what they needed. So as Taff and Gaynor began to interview the teens living in the home, They noticed that the relationship between them and their mom, which is Bither, didn't appear to be the best. While they were interviewing one of of her teens, the cabinet doors were being flung open with nobody near them. Some pots and pans would often hit the floor with no explanation or reason. And they also took the time to see if any kind of earthquakes or tremors had been reported at the time, but none had, so... And not even more reason to believe that there was some paranormal shit happening in the household. So Taff and Gaynor wasted no time and they started taking pictures of every bedroom and audio and stuff. When the photos would be developed, they noticed white orbs going around. And we all know what orbs are. Like if you see orbs in your pictures, somebody's around ya. That's the spooky stuff. Yep. And then sometimes it'll be like many little ones or like a couple of big ones, or sometimes you can even see something within them. Or like it won't be an orb, you can actually see a face. You can see something in there. Yeah. So, besides the orbs, they would also see like sheets of white fuzz all over the pictures. So, what Taff and Gaynor decided to do was they decided they wanted to remove Bither out of the house and they told her to get out. So, they took pictures of all the bedrooms noticed these irregularities within the photos and told Bither, you know what? Get out. We're Get out. We're going to see something. She got out. And they went back and took pictures of every single bedroom. And when they developed these photos, they were normal. Like there was no orbs, no white film over the pictures. They just looked like normal pictures of someone's bedroom and living room and kitchen. That's crazy, huh? Yes. It didn't take long for them to realize that the person that might be, or the common denominator in all this was Bithers. So it kind of seemed like when she was around, these things would happen. If she wasn't around, nothing would happen to anybody else.
1: But like, did she have any experiences anywhere else? Like before
0: she lived there? Um, Not before that, but we will get to the rest <gasps> in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So the investigation of the home and Bither's attack, or apparent attack, had taken 10 weeks before a conclusion had finally been revealed. So Doris had described many presences, I can't say that word, many presences Presences? that she had, presences, presences, yeah. Doris had um, described many presences that she had encountered, including one in particular, that she would only describe as a humanoid that was later known as the entity. So during the investigation, nearly 30 researchers had been at the home where Bither had attempted to summon the spirits. So Bither would summon them by cursing and yelling at them, while some researchers had recording material alongside them to document the event. So the summoning had appeared to work as lights had be- had suddenly begun to turn on. A large green fog had begun to appear. Oh my God. I'm over here giving my own like commentary. <laughs> I'm getting chills. Like you're giving your own commentary. I'm getting chills. And I'm just yep. like, what do you mean a green fog? Yeah. And the fog later formed into a figure of what appeared to be the torso of a man. And like other people saw this, right? Not just her. Yep, they were there documenting it all. Mm, No, thank you. Yeah. So some researchers were able to see more of the man's appearance as someone who appeared who looked to be big and muscular in size. So the figure that appeared had no face. They were able to kind of see the body and what he looked like, but there was no face to that. That's crazy. (laughs) I know.
1: I am shaking my head like, no, 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 no a no face man it's a no face no thank you
0: Mm -hmm. so during this during this event one of the cameras managed to capture the image of a bright white orb before it failed and never took any more images so that camera was done for it caught that one picture with this giant orb and it never worked again all this time that this is happening Bithers just is the one that keeps getting I mean other people were getting attacked but it just seemed that Bithers was the one that was causing all this to happen like if she wasn't around nothing would happen and I actually did also see that a different um somewhere that I was researching that said that bithers would say like he's here or it's here or whatever and they would take a picture and it would be like white out like and so when they say like a film of white it's kind of like you know when you take a picture with flash and everything looks white Yeah, It would be like that. So it would be like that. And you could maybe see Bither's like hair, but you couldn't see her face. And when she would say like, oh, it's gone. They would take a picture and it looked normal. Back to normal. Oh, yeah. But the thing is that it wouldn't look like it was a picture that they took with flash. It would be like a normal. Like you're in your home and you just pull out your phone and take a picture. Yeah. So the one when she would say like, it's here. It looked like it had high resolution, like, like flash, I mean, like light flashlights plus flash. And then they took a picture and it washed her out. But then when she says it's gone, they take a picture and it just looks normal. So that's, that's crazy. I wonder if like, because she's
1: the one who like sensed all of them. And she's the one who would do, like, the seances when she was younger, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, like, I wonder if things just, like, kept attaching to her. And once she got to the home that was, like, spiritually active, they finally presented themselves to her. And it just, like, all came crashing down.
0: Mm -hmm. So once the investigation was complete, Bither and her family actually left Culver City and relocated to Texas. Woo-hoo, so Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> so while there, she was still in touch with these paranormal investigators with um I already forgot their names Taft and Gain- Taft and Gainer and the team. She was still in touch with them and everything. So Bither left to Texas and she thought she was gonna start a new life in a new place, but the hauntings continued. Okay, Texas is like
1: super haunted. Yeah. And like Texas is huge, but um there was this thing that we read, uh I don't remember if it was Gary who saw it or if I saw it, but it's how many like paranormal experiences have been recorded or talked about or documented yeah. and Texas has the most.
0: Yeah, I like, think Texas is like the most haunted state. Yes.
1: And I don't know if it's because it's just like it's so many, like I haven't done the math. If it's, you know, by size cuz Texas is huge. Or if it's, you know, like, that's just, like, per capita by, like, population or, yeah, I don't know. But it's the most haunted state. It's huge. And there's so much, like, bloodshed and history that's happened here and, like, so many natural disasters and things. So it's just, why would she think she was better off in Texas? And it was part of
0: Mexico. And a lot of shit happens in Mexico, too.
1: Yes. Speaking of Mexico and Texas, remember the Alamo? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We went to the Alamo, what was it, last, or like two months ago. And, like, we kept saying, like, hey, Gare, do you remember? He's like, the Alamo? And I was like, yeah, the Alamo. (laughs) We were at the Alamo.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, she moved. And then after Texas didn't work out, she actually came back to California and moved to San Bernardino. Yeah, and the thing followed her there. So this thing was attached to the house, but when Bithers came along, or Bither, it attached to her. So when she left, it it went with her. Then she came back to San Bernardino. It came with her. And after that, she pretty much went underground. Like, her and her family disappeared. Nobody knew where she went. The investigators... That, like, the investigation was over. They had all the info that they had, and she was she under was no gone. obligation to... Yeah, she was under no obligation to continue contact with them.
1: Even... Oh, my God. That just...
0: That trips me out. hmm Because of these things that happened to her, they came out with the movie called The Entity. Which I saw. I said it was 10 years later, but it's, it was, like, 8 years later. So, 8 years after the investigation the movie the entity came out and I think there might be a book so it was inspired by bither but she never came forward to tell her stories confirm the information talk about it like that was that the book and the film was released based off of her experiences and that was that but there was rumor that she may have been pregnant with the child that might have been fathered by the entity. <gasps> Remember how she said that she called it the entity? Yeah. So yeah, the apparently she was she got impregnated by this entity thing, but it was never confirmed. It was just rumors, so we never know if that was true or not. And then in 1995, unfortunately, Doris Bither passed away from an apparent pulmonary arrest. Oof. Yeah, so um, I don't know how old she was. I don't know if she was young because I don't know how old she was by the time her kid was 16. But I mean, think about it. This was 20 years later, so she could have been in her 40s or 50s. She was still young, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know why I don't just look it up. I'm sure I can find out right here.
1: Our good old friend Google doesn't say. No, it doesn't say.
0: Oh, well. So, yeah, she passed away and that was that. And what about her children, you might say? Apparently her kids have, Um, it says, her kids in recent times, I don't know how recent, some of them have confirmed everything that happened in the house in Culver City. And they even said that while living in San Bernardino, Doris was pregnant with the entity's child. So, they say it's true. Do what you will with that information. I believe it. I believe everything, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then before I forget to say that, it is confirmed that the entity moved along with her because obviously the home is now under new ownership. It was a nice little yellow house. It's no longer yellow. I think now it's millennial gray. It's fallen victim (laughs) to the millennial gray, if I saw the picture correctly. Um, But these owners say that they've never experienced anything. So it looks like. The house is now spirit-free. We
1: just painted the office, and uh, it's gray. I see. We do have an accent wall, and it is green.
0: Honestly, I don't blame you. Gray Gray is a good color. I've always loved gray. It's my favorite color. Yeah, I noticed that since I pretty much turned, like, maybe 20, I always navigate towards gray. I've tried to take it out of my wardrobe a little bit so I can add actual color, but gray is nice.
1: My nephew just asked me... Like uh, last week, he asked me what my favorite color is. And I was like, you know, I don't think I have a favorite color, but I really like the color gray. And he's like, oh, so that means you like the colors black and white. And I was like, it sure does, buddy. It sure does.
0: Oh, what a smart little fella. Yeah.
1: It's crazy to think that it's like the people before the Bither family lived there. Whoever that lady was said that. You know, like, she experienced things or to be weary of it. But then as soon as the Bither family leaves, it's no longer haunted. So, like, Mm. it makes me wonder if, like, how I was saying before, if, like, so many things were, like, attached to her because of, like, the seances and all that stuff that she would do if she didn't close it out properly And then she finally got to this house that, you know, was spiritually active and then just, like, shit hit the fan, basically. And then once she left, it just all subsided because it just kept following her. But, like, Uh I don't even know what to think about it.
0: But, you know, it's also a recurring theme that when somebody is a victim of paranormal things, they typically have had a hard life. Yes. for some, Like, these entities just love to attach themselves and victimize people who have already had tough lives or as or you might even say quote unquote I don't know I guess that's it's up to whoever your interpretation but I know that some people might even say that their minds are like weak like their borders are not up because they're so busy trying to survive just their day-to-day life that it leaves room for these things to come in and attack them yeah yeah So that could also be it. I mean, she was, although she lived in with an upper middle class, you know, family, her parents were alcoholics. She became an alcoholic. They were abusive to her. Her marriages. I mean, if she divorced, married and divorced so many times, I'm pretty sure her relationships were not that great. There might have been. Well, there was, I'm sure, toxicity, some kind of like abuse, whether it be verbal, mental, physical or all of them. So already she had. Gone through this hard life, four kids, four different dads, single mom, trying to move to a new city. Like, it's just like she had the blueprint of all, like, she was like the blueprint. And divorce is expensive, you know?
1: It's like that creates more financial hardship on her as well. So, like, I can't imagine what she went through, you know? And it's like, I only have two kids and I'm pouring every ounce of myself into those kids. And I am stretched so thin. Like, I can't imagine having more.
0: Yeah. And it's, like, her oldest is 16. Awesome. Like, 16. Yes, it's tough having a teenager. But they can fend for themselves in certain ways. You kind of get a little bit of more time to yourself. 12 years old, great. But she had a 6-year-old. Like, yeah. this is a kid that just started school. She's still, like, having to give so much more of herself. Trying to manage a teenager who's almost an adult. Plus a kid who's barely starting their educational life. So, damn. And then she has to work, obviously, to be able to maintain the home that they're living in. Yeah. So, it's it's a lot. Of course. So, rest in peace, Doris. Yes. I hope that the final years of her life were a little bit easier. I hope she found some peace. I think, I hope, because it's not really confirmed if after, if when she you know, disappeared because she didn't want to, she just did not want people to know about her and her family. It's not said if this entity still followed her around or if she managed to get rid of it. Yeah. I hope she found peace. If not here,
1: then in the afterlife. So that one was, you said in Culver city in California, right? Yes. So my story is on the opposite side of the coast and actually, is it even on the coast? I don't know my geography. I want to say it is. I think. it. Oh, I'm so dumb. I'm asking if it's on the coast and it's Rhode Island. Island. Is there an island there? Where? In Rhode Island. Rhode Island is not an island. Coney Island. (laughs) No, it's not in Rhode Island. I know. I mean, there is a coast in Rhode Island. Oh, there's there's islands there. So I have absolutely no idea anything about the East Coast or New England or anything like that, except that it is haunted, <laughs> that it is haunted. That's that's what I know. For mine this week, I did choose a haunting as well. It's actually really funny because like I feel like our topics are super similar and they happened at around the same time. Oh, well, duh, oh. the 70s.
0: Duh. So <laughs> So I chose... um, Almost like it was your idea. Almost. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: mine is more along the lines of a haunted house, but focusing on the family that lived there during the 70s. And if you even like watching horror movies, even in the slightest, you've most likely seen the film that surrounds their experiences. And so many who lived through it say that this film was actually pretty accurate. So this week, I'll be talking about the Perrin family and their experiences in their historic Rhode Island home where Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated in the 70s that led to the film The Conjuring. So the- into a 14, into the 14 bedroom home in 1971. Actually, I don't know if it was 14 bedrooms or if it was just 14 rooms. I wrote bedrooms, but I think it was 14 rooms. Um. So yeah, so the family consisted of mom, dad, and five kids. So it's a family of seven, five girls. And they moved into the home in 1971. And the house was built around 1736, but some articles do date it back to like the 1690s. But it was located on 200 acres and the parents, Carolyn and Roger, thought it was a great place to raise their five girls. And honestly, with at least how my For You page is curated, living on 200 acres in an old farmhouse and homesteading is basically the dream. So I I could get on board with that. But for this family, that dream quickly turned into their worst nightmare. And so it first starts out with the family moving in and the previous owner telling Roger that they should leave the lights on at night. That's already pretty ominous, you know, but it's like, oh, it's it's an old farmhouse, you know, the floorboards creak, the house settles and everything, so it's to be expected. And so during the first few weeks and even months, the family had experiences in the house. The broom would be in a different place than where it was left it would sound like there was something brushing against the kettle when no one was in the kitchen. Dirt would be in the middle of the floor after Carolyn had freshly swept it. And, you know, just your general bumps in the night. And all five of the girls confirmed that they have each experienced something and saw spirits. And April has said that she was approached the most because she was the youngest. However, most of these spirits did seem harmless. Kind of just reminds me of, you know, like how the house I grew up in, not super haunted like this, but, you know, spiritually active rather than haunted and, you know, generally harmless. But as time went on, their encounters got more and more intense. And so personally, I think the longer a spirit makes contact or the longer the encounter goes on for, I do believe that they gain some traction or momentum and are able to produce more Intense encounters or activity. And the kids would talk about their encounters, and Roger, their dad, would try to convince them that it was all a figment of their imagination. And really, he just wanted it all to go away until he became a believer because he began experiencing things as well. So, one of the more haunting encounters was experienced by Andrea, the oldest. And she would repeatedly be visited at night by a malevolent woman who appeared to have a bent neck as though she had been hung. So when I read this, I immediately thought of Haunting of Hill House with Nell and like the bent neck lady, which is like super creepy. This spirit, though, was evil and wanted to possess Carolyn and kill the children. And that those are the type of things that she would say to Andrea. And some other things that they experienced were being woken up repeatedly at 515 in the morning and the smell of rotting flesh would fill their rooms. Beds would be lifted off the ground and the heater would repeatedly be turned off, which resulted in Roger going down to the basement to turning it back on. And now we all know you're supposed to stay out of the basement. And in their case, this was no different. But they had no option. They needed heat. You know, it's Rhode Island. Their winters are cold. So they needed the heat. And... Unfortunately, the basement was described as a paranormal hotspot. Although the basement was a paranormal hotspot, some people believe it's the land that's haunted rather than the house itself. However, I'm pretty sure it's a combination of the two. With all the kids experiencing things and the age of the house, I think it's important to give a little history as I feel that it would really provide context for all of the hauntings. So the house was really old being built in the early to mid 18th century. But from the time it was built until the parent family purchased it, the same family had lived there for a total of eight generations. And so for eight generations... This family lived and died in the house and never left. And so I just want to give a quick trigger warning. I will be mentioning things about death and suicide and sexual assault. And so skip forward a few seconds. In an old public records book, it's documented that on the property there were two suicides by hanging in the attic, one suicide by poison, the rape and murder of an 11 year old girl by a farmhand two drownings on the creek's property, four men froze to death, and there were also tragic losses. And I would assume these to be passing suddenly or the loss of children, and I will be getting into why I think that a little bit later. So with Prudence, who was the 11-year-old, her place of death is listed somewhere else. She was probably raped multiple times on the property, and that has to leave a lot of negative energy on the land.
0: Oh.
1: And... The loss, so mm-hmm, it just, it broke my heart. She was 11, 11. She was a baby. Yes. And so the losses and tragedies that I mentioned were just the ones recorded. And I don't have the number of actual deaths on the property because I'm sure plenty of people passed away due to, you know, natural causes and old age as well. So that's a ton of energy on that land and in that house. So I, without a shadow of a doubt, believe that the parent family experienced multiple things on every end of the spectrum from minor to super intense. And one reason I also mentioned that I'm sure there were multiple deaths due to natural causes was because some of the children, I believe it was Andrea, the oldest, who said that there were spirits who were just kind of there not causing much harm. And I feel as though that would come from many spirits who aren't angry. They're just kind of chilling and probably, now this is my theory, they probably can't move on because they're being held there by the rest of their family. However, even though there were spirits who were just kind of there, there was also a very angry spirit who truly tormented the family, and mainly Carolyn, the family matriarch. And this was the spirit of Bathsheba, and she was the spirit who tormented the family in the film. Bathsheba was described by many as an evil witch, a Satanist, and many other dark things. But a lot of that is just folklore that came to be because of a young infant that died in her care the infant's death was due to trauma to the head and unfortunately at the base of the skull it did appear as though a large sewing needle or knitting needle was impaled in its head however tragic Damn. this was yeah poor little baby it was just the neighbor's kid that she was watching just died on her watch and however however tragic this was bachiba was put on trial and ultimately acquitted but I also saw other sources say that there was insufficient evidence. So it never went to court. So regardless of which one is true, Bathsheba was legally cleared of all charges. A lot of people say that she sacrificed the infant in a satanic ritual, but again, she was acquitted of all charges and most things surrounding her history are now due to folklore. And this also coincides with the tales that she had four total children, three of which did not make it past the age of seven and one making it into adulthood. However, there is no record on any senses of the three other children, but perhaps they were the other tragic deaths on the property that I had previously mentioned. There are also different accounts on how she died, but she did live a long life and passed away at the age of 73, which is different than in the film because after killing a local child, she cursed anyone who lived on the land and hung herself from a tree on the property. And this was a creative liberty taken because honestly, it makes for a better ghost story than someone dying of old age, which can totally keep haunting and terrorizing. It's just not as spooky for the big screen. Anyway, Batsheba was said to have been an extremely malevolent spirit who terrorized the parent family and mainly Carolyn because Batsheba saw herself as a mistress of the house. And Carolyn threatened that position. In one instance, Carolyn was laying on the couch or she was napping or resting. And she shot up with like a shooting pain in her leg. And there was a perfect concentric circle in there. So I believe it was Lorraine Warren who said that it was probably the knitting needle or that she took the knitting needle that she used to kill that infant she probably took that with her in the afterlife and stabbed Carolyn with it. And it's penetrated like through the veil. And it was a perfect concentric circle on her calf.
0: Oh, Bathsheba, that bitch. <laughs>
1: Seriously. <laughs> but to further express how malevolent she was, one source said that Bathsheba would starve and torture her farmhands. hands. Again, I'm not sure how accurate this is, as many things surrounding her are now folklore, but it really adds to the malevolence of the the woman. And it just kind of reminds me of Madame Lalaurie, you know, just torturing. I mean, in Lalaurie's case, torturing her slaves. This one is that she was torturing her farmhands. But a discrepancy that I did find was that Andrea doesn't think that Bathsheba was the one who was trying to possess her mother. I think everyone else thinks it was Bathsheba, but Andrea thinks that it wasn't. Yes, Bathsheba tormented and terrorized the family, but she was not the main culprit in trying to possess Carolyn. Andrea believed that the malevolent spirit who was haunting her was someone from a neighboring farm who did hang herself, and that is on record. And that goes hand in hand with essentially the bent neck lady that she saw. And she believes that this is the woman Who haunted her, and that she was on the property long before Bathsheba was even born. So, what do you do though with all these spirits running amok in your home? You call the experts. So enter Ed and Lorraine Warren. And if you don't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are, they are or they were a married couple who were huge in the paranormal field. And they started, like, I think it's called like the New England. Psychic society, or something along those lines. And they research things like, you know, if you look at the Annabelle case, they did that one. They did the Amityville horror. They did so many other things. They're just huge. So, yeah, so they showed up at the house. But I did find one source that said, Andrea, in an interview, said that her parents never called the Warrens and they just showed up. And Carolyn had no idea who they were. I'm not sure how the Warrens ended up at the house, but the parents were having multiple experiences. And personally, I think they probably thought no harm, no foul. And so when the Warrens arrived, they wanted to find out who the spirit was by means of a seance. And at the seance, there was a priest and a medium present, and the kids were supposed to be in bed, except Andrea, who, being a nosy and scared teen, decided to sneak around and watch. And what she witnessed still haunts her. So she was, yeah, she was a teenager during this time. And according to her, setting up and everything that goes along with it was super long and drawn out process. But the actual seance lasted only five minutes. And this is what Andrea had to say about what she witnessed. My mom opened her eyes and they didn't look like her eyes anymore. I don't think my mother was possessed. She was attacked. She went on to say, I thought I was going to pass out. My mother began to speak in a language, not of this world, in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. So super similar to Jasmine's story with Doris being flung across the room. Carolyn was also flung across the room. And you definitely see that in the film. And one of the sources that I read said that Roger was so distraught at seeing his wife like this, that he kicked everyone out that night. And I'm not too sure what happened after the seance, but I do know that no exorcism was performed. And when I say that, I'm referencing the movie because an exorcism or Ed performs an exorcism in the film. And Lorraine Warren, who was involved in the film, has said that her late husband would have never performed an exorcism as only a Catholic priest can do so. So yes, that was another part of the film that was embellished. But again, it makes for great content. And I really appreciate her saying, yeah, we didn't do that. We don't do that.
0: Yeah, because I know I definitely would have been like, wait, how the hell did he have authorization to do an exorcism? Mm -hmm.
1: What I do know, however, was that after the seance, the Parent family still lived in the house up until 1980. So I know in the film, it's kind of made to seem that they... You know, after the exorcism, they just up and leave. But they were in in real life. They were in this haunted house for nearly a decade. And I'm pretty sure it has to do with finances.
0: Yeah, I think I saw that they had invested everything they had into this home. Mm-hmm. They could not leave. Like they financially could not leave and had to be there until they were able to finally move. Yes.
1: And... We know that it does have to do with like finances at some, um, to a certain degree, because like I said, the home was located on 200 acres. That's a lot of land. But in those 10 years that the the parent family lived there, they did have to sell off some of the land. And so the original 200 acres got cut down, and the house now resides on 8.5 acres. So that's a huge, 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 huge cut. And so I don't know how they managed that, but I'm hoping that the spirits and the activity died down a bit to the point where it was tolerable. Because I know it's, you can live in a house that's spiritually active, but living in a haunted house, it's terrifying. And that's my story on the parent family. I don't know how they live there. Carolyn was the one who was essentially being attacked and being targeted the most. And
0: why is it always women?
1: Well, in this case, it was because whoever was attacking her saw themselves as like the mistress of the house.
0: Uh
1: And she saw Carolyn as competition.
0: Yeah, safe to say that even in in the afterlife you can be insecure. Not even the afterlife, but you know, safe to say that even as a freaking ghost you can be insecure. insecure. <laughs> yeah, so it's terrifying. Come on, Bathsheba, go take some therapy, girl. <laughs> go to BetterHelp. Yeah,
1: like you don't even have to leave your house for that. Not sponsored. No, not <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> <I'm> Kitty.
0: <kidding. laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I will say, The Conjuring is. One of my favorite paranormal movies. Oh, it's not even one of my favorite I paranormal. I love that one. Oh my God. It's one Horror, of my- Horror, No, it's one of my
1: favorite movies, just like in general. If you ask yeah. Air, like I have a few movies that I will put on in the background that are just, they're my comfort movies and Conjuring is one of them.
0: The Conjuring, the first Insidious. Oh my God, so Anna, good. Annabelle Creation. Yes. I feel like that one gets- I Love that one. Is that the one where we watch together? it's the beginning back in the day with the girl in the wheelchair yes
1: so jasmine and i went to go watch that movie when it came out in theaters and she was driving me back to my house and you remember the coyotes that we saw oh yeah and we were just like oh my god hell house and we were just like so scared because it's a scary movie
0: yeah it was good i love that one too oh my god yeah them three are definitely my top movies like i Love
1: those. Oh, I love the Grudge.
0: Oh, the Grudge is a good one oh too. Oh my God,
1: the Grudge always scares me with the,
0: uh... mm-hmm. and the eye. Oh, no! With the hair. <laughs> I know. I'm using my hand <laughs> to cover my eyes.
1: Oh, oh my God.
0: Oh, good <laughs> stuff. Oh,
1: now I want to go watch horror movies, but like I don't want to because I'm so scared. And oh, I have to go to bed right now because I have to get up in a few hours. Oh but- yeah, girl, go to bed. But I'm not even tired. I drank coffee before this.
0: Oh Lord. Now balance it out with the melatonin. God, what would that even do to you? Like No, I get I get some like funky ass dreams on well, I get funky ass
1: dreams if I take melatonin and I take unisom, but I get some funky ass sleep with like dreams with that one too. And like I'm not a person that remembers my dreams often, but it's I do remember them when I take unisom or melatonin.
0: You wake up, you're like, I don't know why I feel anxious and scared. Yeah. But it had to do with my dream that I can't remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, oh, my God. Like, I had some, like, really weird dreams last night because I couldn't sleep last night. So I took Unisom because I was in bed and I was tossing and turning. I'm like, you know, I'm going to take some Unisom help me go to sleep.
0: Take a shot for every time she says Unisom.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Please don't. Unisom, Unisom. Unisom.
0: Oh, my God. It's like when, um, and how I met your mother but but um but um oh but um yeah no i've never taken melatonin um because i have heard that it does give people some nightmares i'm kind of scared to try well
1: my sister loves
0: it like it's
1: You know, but for
0: me it's
1: just I don't know, it affects everyone differently. It's just I don't get good sleep to begin with. Oh my god, say Oh
0: Oh my goodness. All of a sudden he wants to act like the goodest boy. Why did I say like that? goodest. Goodest. The goodest boy. the goodest boy he's ever. The Gouda boy. When all he has done the past year and a half is terrorize us. Oh my God! No,
1: he has not. You leave that precious boy alone.
0: Hell no! He's crazy. Yeah, he is. The face. I mean, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. His face. I don't feel like it matches his body. Like he has a big body and a tiny head. All mm-hmm. right. Well, I I like I like yours. Though. Thank you.
1: I tried keeping it short and sweet because I'm sure everyone's heard of the parent family with the conjuring.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's why I wanted to do something different because I was like, Amityville, everyone's done mm-hmm. that. Let's do something a little bit different. Maybe one day we can cover it, though. Oh, heck why yeah. Not?
1: Oh, that's one where it's not a woman. It's the dude.
0: Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's
1: males. Ah, bueno. You're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then an *InSidious* well. también. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. But Calm down.
0: My bad.
1: But in *The Grudge*, it is a, a lady. Yeah. And *The Ring*. Yeah. Kind of. It's I don't 50 know.
0: Fifty. I forgot what that damn movie is about, but it's a good movie. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again because it's been a long time.
1: Oh, with her coming out of the TV like
0: this. But Yeah. Anyways. That's all I gotta say about that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any comments, criticism, positive, please, or nice, or you can't credit If there's something you don't like, you can tell us. You can just be nice about it, okay?
1: You can say anything you want to say. But just know how to say it. Just be nice. Be gentle.
0: Exactly, exactly. We're sensitive. But yeah, if you have any, <laughs> if you have any comments or any stories, anything at all that you would like to tell us, please feel free to send us an email at spooky of mind at gmail Or you can also find us on Instagram at spooky of mind. We're always checking our DMs. It's mostly me sending uh, memes from my private, from my personal account. Same. I do the same, Ghost stuff. same thing. And I'm just like, "Well, I'll post this on our story. And I always forget.
1: Or like I'll send audio clips and I'm like, oh, I have this great idea for a reel. And then I never make it just because I get so nervous. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but yeah, feel free to shoot us a message. Um, we'll be more than happy to read whatever it is that you all send us. Um, but yeah, if nothing further i guess that's it for us today all right well i hope you all have a lovely weekend and don't go too crazy be
1: safe out there have a happy and safe memorial day if you are in the states
0: oh true yeah this will be coming out for
1: memorial day weekend stay safe everyone enjoy the three-day weekend and until then stay spooky
0: stay spooky
1: bye